Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode nine. Our guest today is Sophie Hopes, frontwoman for Tired Lion. The band just released their fantastic second record, Breakfast for Pathetics, last week. In today's conversation, Sophie and I talk about what it's like making a record with your partner, mental health and the role that it plays in music, and the poetry of Sharon Van Etten. Here we go. today is the singer and frontwoman for one of Australia's greatest new bands, Tired Lion. They've recently released their new record, Breakfast for Pathetics, and it was the feature record on Triple J all last week. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from Tired Lion, Sophie Hopes. (laughs) Sophie, congratulations on the second record, which is out now. Firstly, where does the title come from? And also, what, um, what does Breakfast for Pathetics mean? Ooh, okay, so basically Breakfast for Pathetics uh, started off as just a song that I wrote after I had a really bad breakfast one morning. Oh, it was it was a pathetic breakfast, you could say. Um, it was just this song I had in my looper that I was never able to finish. And, and I think it's one of those songs that it couldn't be finished because I didn't know where I wanted it to go. And I, I guess that was kind of sort of symbolic in a way with the way I was feeling in my life. So the whole notion of breakfast, for pathetics is like, I relate it back to, um, I guess like this one point in my life, maybe it was five or six or so around the breakfast table when I was a really young girl and everything was in its place. And it was this morning ceremony, this ritual that could do no wrong. You know, you'd wake up, you'd have breakfast. And then after I found, like, I moved out of home, as you do when you when you hit your twenties and you go into your share houses, the the idea of breakfast was shattered for me. The ceremony was lost, and so it was kind of like that feeling of home and that stability. And I really lacked that, and I couldn't find it anywhere, especially. <laughs> When it came to breakfast, it was like I would just avoid it altogether. I would eat something super pathetic in the sense that it would be whatever we had laying around in the share house fridge, you know what I mean? Um, And, yeah, I thought it would make a kind of a cool title for the record because the album is sort of like this journal and every song is kind of like a, a journal entry in a way, and I felt like that... Breakfast for Pathetics really summed up the vibe of the whole record. Wow, I summed that up so quick. I'm so proud of myself. 
it only took it only took me three tries. Um, the last two interviews, I swear I was talking about it for like ten minutes each, and yeah. No, that's pretty good. I think um yeah, once you get the hang of it, that that third or fourth time, yeah, you know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, for yourself, is I guess what is your go-to breakfast for just while we're talking about breakfast? Oh, um, so to be honest, it's really it sounds pathetic, but it's nutritious. Like so, it's just this muesli. I put some muesli in a bowl, and I add hot water from the kettle. And mix it around for like ten seconds, and that's it. And I eat it. It's it sounds disgusting, but it's really good for you. <laughs> um, I don't I don't like I don't live for that, but that's what I, I will have because I've created a habit now where I have it in the morning. But yeah, if I do get like a rad breakfast, there's a place called Billy Cart, and they do these amazing uh, green bowls, and it's. Oh, it's like kale and green beans and snow peas and pepita hummus. It's just like this, yeah, the most nutritional breakfast you can get. But they're really expensive, so I can't afford to get them much, really. Let's give a quick shout-out to Billy Cart and um, please give Sophie from Tideline a free breakfast. I would love a sponsorship. I would love a sponsorship. Since the last record was released, there's been a, a bit of a lineup change within the band. Previously, the songwriting was shared between um, yourself and a few others, whereas this whole uh, this whole record, this new one, from my understanding, is, is just yourself. What was the experience like this time around with just you looking after the songwriting duties? Oh, the full control. I loved it. I love having – I'm a bit of a control freak, so – it was, it was nice to actually see something through when I had a clear vision for it. And I think that it made kind of all the difference in terms of, uh, I don't know, when something feels finished. To me, it felt finished because I could see it through, if you know what I mean. Um, it's obviously a lot scarier, the fact that um, there's nobody to kind of hide behind, really, in the sense that... Um, but it, it, it all comes down to me, which is quite um, terrifying, really. So if somebody hates the record, it's like, well, they just hate me as a songwriter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was it was really refreshing to just sort of um, take control and take the songs to that place I wanted them to go, really. Now, the record was produced by uh, the frontman for Vance Soho, but also your partner, uh, Luke. B- Boadem? Boredom? Boredom. Yeah. I do apologize. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Luke. That's okay. Um, what was it like, I guess, working with your partner, but also, as you said, having that sense of control, do you think it was easier that the producer was someone that you were, I guess, a bit closer to or could at least yeah. be brutally honest with? So it's, it was a, I think it made it way more comfortable for me because I don't really like opening up and I, I sort of struggle with, with that, with strangers or, you know, new people. I don't really have many friends as well. So, like, the idea of working with somebody new kind of terrified me, to be honest. And I think it was just, like, the perfect scenario, working with Luke, we have, like, this unspoken language that he knows exactly where I'm trying to take the songs and 
he has the ability to get them to that place, you know, with production and just thinking about things differently that I may have, you know, things that I may have kind of like missed or um, gets me out of my own head a little bit if I've been working on a song for, say, like three months straight, <laughs> offers a different perspective, which is really good to have. But, yeah, I think it was really nice to have that comfortability, especially in such a, like, vulnerable environment where you are putting yourself out there and you are talking about, you know, um, some emotional baggage in these songs per se um, that you may not be open to talking about to to somebody you don't know. So it was really nice having that comfortability there in the studio. But, yeah, Luke's always been um, just – he's never been overboard like he'll let me kind of take the reins and jump in whenever he thinks he needs to which is really good because I was talking about the control thing as well but I think the uh, the only downfall is being that comfortable with somebody in the studio can get a bit weird at times because I felt like I was getting a bit nasty when I didn't really I, I, I was just like, no, it has to be this way. And then I realized, I'm like, well, I'm talking to him pretty badly and just going to tone that down a little bit. That's probably the only downfall. But, yeah, he was just, yeah, he's so great to work with. And, um, yeah, his ideas, uh, like, it's just, it's amazing how, like, how much we are on the same page in terms of our influences and what the record needs to sound like. So, yeah. With both of you being musicians, is there, I imagine at some point you guys would have maybe um, like jammed together or whatever, but is there any thought of possibly doing something uh, in a professional sense together in the future? Well, I've always said that if we ever, we actually don't jam together. Like as weird as that sounds, a lot of people just assume because we're both in bands that we like sit around the the lounge room jamming. Um, But yeah, I I think if we ever did jam together, that'd be pretty cool. But I've always said that I'd want to do something different like drums or um, just, yeah, something totally different. That'd be cool. But yeah, no, we don't have any, we don't have any weird side project bands going on at all. Um, Yeah. At least for now. (laughs) Very fair, very fair. The song Waterbed on the new record, I believe you've been quoted as saying it's an analogy about buying into the idea of something and it being nothing like previously um, expected or or what you thought it might be. Where did that idea for the song initially come from? Well, the music industry, right? No, I'm joking. Uh, It's all glitz and glam, really. It's not. It's just working really hard and um, never getting to where you need to be. Uh, no, um, but it could be that. I, I think I just, I just always, I actually just always found waterbeds really fascinating and and kind of funny. And I, I literally that came from the the waterbed thing, like where they would put out these ads saying it would fix backaches and your your marriage problems and it was better sex and all this stuff. That's actually where that idea came from that people bought into the idea that these waterbeds were, like, fascinating, um, but really they just probably got rid of them within a week. But, yeah, I just it does relate back to a lot of people and just anything. I think sometimes as humans we get 
an idea in our head that we need to do something and that's just going to change our life or like if we um if, if we start doing like you know we, we start I don't know how to explain this like it can be anything really like it relates back to anything in life do you know what I mean yeah, no, no, no. Like, I get that. Um, do you find sometimes you write songs and that people kind of attach their own metaphors to it, and then really you're just like, no, no, no. It's, it's just about a waterbed. Yeah, no. I, I. That's what you want people to do. That's the whole point of you know writing these songs because that's what music does for me. I know I listen to so many songs and I come up with my own meanings, and then they mean, then I attach it to. I, then I attach myself to that song and that's where you're able to connect. And I think it's really important that people do go down that road and make their own meanings to your songs because that's the whole point. That's where the connection lies from artist to listener. I think it's super important. And I always just, even with, even with like movies or anything, I'm always like, Oh, that's my meaning. I'll attach myself to it straight away. It would be like something so small. I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. That's so me. Have you ever had someone come up and give their own interpretation of it and it's just been so, so off the mark? Oh, um, of just any song in general? Any any song of yours, yeah, or or just any song. Uh, If it was, I probably wouldn't have criticised them because I I think it's quite nice that they've just come up with their own meaning. I think it's that's what art is, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. You've said the track See You Later was an attempt to help yourself out of a a difficult time when you didn't really want to see anyone. How important do you think songwriting and creating art is to, um, to an artist's mental health? I think it's just like a form of therapy, really. Like we all have ways that we are able to like navigate through problems. Some people choose... Um, you know, vigorous exercise and routine. Um, pe- other people might use like going out and going to gigs and seeing shows or artists might paint a picture or we might write a song. It's just super important that everybody has their own way that they are able to release these feelings. And I think it's, yeah, important as an artist to to, to kind of like figure figure yourself out and find a way to get it out there because if <laughs> if you kind of leave it bottled up, you, it's not going to be good for anybody really. So, yeah, I think it's super important for artists to find what works for them. But it's not just so much artists. It's just anybody. I know, like, say my brother was going through a hard time. Like, what do you like doing? Do you like watching TV? Do you like listening to music? And then I remember he really got into Sigur Ross because I showed him Sigur Ross. I'm like, whenever I was down, I'd listen to like this Sigur Ross record tap. And, you know, I think it's important as humans that everybody has a way to let, let go and um, yeah, just find a way to get this stuff off their chest. Like meditation is another one. Using the Headspace app is really good. Um, yeah. Just very quickly, that Sigur Ross is an incredibly relaxing album. That is a very good um, album to recommend for meditating or just relaxing. Um, yeah. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. With the events of this year and everyone finding themselves in lockdown, some artists found themselves dealing with the stress of, uh, of 2020 by um, making one or two quarantine records but then some found the pressure of, of these events too much. Where did you find yourself in relation to, to one of those two camps? True. I feel like I was in this no man's land because I was pretty much doing all the prep for releasing this record. I was making film clips. I wasn't really in this um, spot where I could comfortably write like a whole new record because I was just constantly busy with um, firstly, I, I've moved house twice since the pandemic, which is crazy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and just getting prepared for the record release, like releasing the album and the video clips and all this other work that goes into it behind the scenes. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel this pressure, but what, where I did feel this pressure was to become overly active on social media. And it's something that really bothered me because writing music hasn't been about uh, narrating your whole life through your phone to everybody each day. It's, it's about, um, you know, like working through your problems, writing songs because you feel like you want to. It's not about trying to not sell out, but it kind of feels that way where you're constantly on your phone with your selfies and your, videos and like, hey guys I, I felt that pressure and that really it fucked me up like to be honest I felt like I didn't want to do music because if that's what I had to be then what was the point why was I even doing it if I didn't even believe in that but I, I see how it was essential in sort of like creating this um, like bridging the gap because we weren't able to play shows that's the only way you can connect to your fans and I, I understand that's super important to like maintain that relationship but at the rate that people were going at I was just like I can't keep up with this I I never wanted to be glued to my phone 
I don't believe that's who I am as a person. And I feel I really felt the pressure in that, like, man, now I'm going to start doing like full production covers of songs and home shows and like cooking shows and shit. Like I'd be down for a cooking show, by the way. I'm, I'm all down for that sort of stuff, but you know what I mean? Like, Bands were starting, like, these TV series, basically. And I'm like, where do they have this time? TikTok. That's something that I just do not understand right now. <laughs> it is super beyond me. I, I feel like a lot of time goes into that. But, yeah, I guess I, I just use the time to try and do the best I could over social media without selling my soul. Um, but, yeah, I worked on a lot of skills. Like, I... I kind of like played around with like video editing software, like saying all this stuff, like worked on um, graphic design stuff and just, yeah, it was, it was really good to sit back and um, to have the time to like work on skills that you usually wouldn't have time to do because you were out touring, you know? Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Sorry. I went on a rant. No, no. I'm very passionate about (laughs) <laughs> no, it was good. I um I agree. I don't I understand that TikTok can be an incredible marketing tool for artists, but I don't understand it myself. It's a bit beyond. Man, I, I, I bet I wouldn't be saying this if I actually was somebody on TikTok. <laughs> I would be like, the best thing ever. <laughs> um but yeah, maybe one day, who knows? It's so funny. After we released this um see you later video clip, we found out that like the, I don't know if you've seen the, the clip at all, but um, we have the ghost in there and apparently the ghost sheet thing was trending on TikTok, like before we did the video and then three other bands did the same concept as well and we were just like, oh, if we actually went on TikTok, we would know not to record this video clip. <laughs> but we ended up having to use it in the end anyway because, you know, money is limited these days, especially with film clips. Hopefully it can be maybe like reverse engineered where that maybe directs some more people who were for whatever reason, were looking for ghost paraphernalia and are now directed to your band. Yeah, maybe, maybe we just going to get this clip onto TikTok. Hey? I don't know. <laughs> some form of tideline ghost challenge trend or something. Yeah. yeah. Some weird trend. <laughs> Before when you, um, when you mentioned your time in lockdown and using it to create videos and promos for the new album, did you find it difficult to try and create those things because of being limited to your house or wherever you were when usually you'd um you'd have the ability to to do whatever you want? Yeah, totally. I remember when we were releasing Waterbed, which was the first um, song for the whole album campaign. Um, that was when like lockdown was in like you know full lockdown mode, and I got asked to try and do press photos at home. <laughs> It was so bad. It was the worst photo shoot. I just, I looked really awkward and it just didn't work out. It just looked like I was taking selfies really, (laughs) which is pretty funny if you think about it now. But yeah, I definitely think there was a limit there. Um, We're so lucky though. Um, We were able to fly to Adelaide to do the waterbed clip. And then after we got home, that's when lockdown happened. So we managed to get that in there. Um, But yeah, definitely did restrict us. Like we were only allowed to work with like, Brisbane-based people, um, I couldn't use any, like I, I was working with, um, not working with, but I used to get um, 
yeah, Tim from Loser was filling in on guitar for a while, so we couldn't use him anymore. And it kind of forced me to get together a Brisbane-based lineup, which was really good in a way. Um, so now I'm able to jam regularly with these guys, which is which is awesome. Nice. Yeah. With live music coming back and you yourself having some shows coming up in support of the album, what have you missed about playing uh, some of these songs live? Oh, yeah. I, I think there's always this feeling that you get when you play a new song for the first time. And I really missed that. It's It kind of makes all the hard work worthwhile when, that, when you get to do that and engaging with fans. And it's sort of a special moment because if they haven't heard the song either, it's kind of like, I don't know, it creates this like nice moment or something. Other than connecting with fans in, in a live setting, have you kind of also missed the, I guess, um, a lot of artists, they, they might workshop songs when they take them on the road or try and try and tweak them or change them. Have you kind of missed that aspect of the, the live space? Yeah. So it, obviously you're right. When you have the opportunity to play these songs to a crowd, you get to road test them. You can see what works, what doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I think, like in terms of the writing element for the record, I spent so much time just working on these songs over the past three years that to be honest, I wasn't going to change anything anyway um, in this live, maybe if, even if we did get to play them live because I was so set on how I wanted them to be. But yeah, I think um, it's really important to, to play, to play live when you're a band it, it actually makes it worthwhile. Like you don't want to be stuck in lockdown, like this Instagram personality, like I was saying, because that's not why you play music in the first place. It's not why you write songs just to be constantly on your phone in this weird digital fucked up world that you might not even, <laughs> you know, you might not even like being a part of, but you have to, if you want to maintain that connection with with fans and people that like your music. Yeah, definitely. I think that maybe has been the only positive to social media during lockdown is the the fact that you can still keep that um, channel of communication open. Yeah, totally. Sophie, are you cool to talk about your playlist? Yeah. Playlist that has been sent through. There is quite a few songs on here. It's actually a very impressive playlist. Um, with Tideline Sound, it always does kind of hark back to a little bit of 90s grunge or indie. And on the playlist, you've included bands like The Breeders or Pavement, Hole. What does that time and the music from that time mean to you? Oh, man. I feel like it means so much, especially. I hate to, to bring gender into it, but as a, oh my God, Siri just started talking to me. Um, I hate to bring gender into it, but yeah, like um, as a female that has wanted to play rock music, seeing these powerful women on stage like Kim Gordon and Melissa Oftemar and Courtney Love and Kim Deal, you know, these, these women that were like setting this sort of, this bar for women that it was okay to play this style of music and to, to rock the fuck out in such a dominated male scene 
is so rad. And that's why I, I always go back to these influences and it's the feeling that I get listening to these tracks. It's, it's like nothing that is to me, nothing can be replicated like this sound. People can try, like I can try as hard as I want, but I would never be that like authentic 90 sound and that scene that just exploded like around the world, you know? Yeah, definitely. Along with those older bands, you've also included tracks by artists like Phoebe Bridges and Sharon Van Etten, both who are a little bit quieter, but, but still Indian and have some louder moments. Is there possibly a, a softer, more acoustic styled record in your, in your future or maybe not acoustic, yeah. um, no. maybe a folk kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I've been writing more and more soft stuff as I become more confident within like just being stripped back because that's something that I've never really felt confidence in. And I've always hidden behind this huge wall of guitars and like distorted vocals and really screechy sort of um, vocal behavior. So yeah, I definitely feel like I'm maybe maturing if that's the correct word to use as a songwriter. And I definitely feel like there's this other part of me that wants to explore that side of things. I'm such a fan of Phoebe Bridges and I think, um, like, I Know the End. That song is so good, how it gets heavy at the end. Incredible, yeah. She's got these, like, sort of like moaning gasps, these whispers. It's just so avant-garde as well. Like, it's crazy. It's just that to me is breaking all the rules of what she should be. And I love that. It is compared to, the, I guess, her first album and, and what how that track ends, it is a complete change, but it's, it's incredible, as you said. It's a great song. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's the stuff that inspires me. And I think the Sharon Van Eaton or Eaton, however you say it, um, that, that song, Every Time the Sun Comes Up, the lyrics in that are so raw and... It's just something that I've always tried to do with my lyrics is to kind of make them so personal that they're almost like uncomfortable in a way. And that song just does it for me. That's an amazing song. Yeah, that song's uh, very confronting. I think somewhere in one of the lines it talks about... um, Part of my language, but it talks about taking a shit in her boyfriend's bathroom or something. Yeah, it's very confronting, but gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like I. It's just like what well, I clean the dishes, but I take a shit in your toilet. I find yeah. that that <laughs> lyric is amazing, and it's funny because I've used the dishes line before, but that's before I even knew who she was. Um, so yeah, I love I love that. I love that lyric. It's so good. It's, um, yeah, that it's an incredible, incredible pick. And again, incredible playlist. Uh, Sophie, I know that you're um, pressed for time. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And no, my pleasure. For, um, yeah, taking the time and listening to the new album. I really appreciate it. And that's our show. A huge thank you again to Sophie Hopes and Tide Lion. Breakfast for Pathetics is out now and available on all streaming platforms. If you want to buy the record in a physical format, we've also included the band's web store in the show notes. We also want to give a huge shout out to Emily at Death Proof for helping out with today's interview. 
and an additional shout out to Billy Gard for hopefully getting Sophie her free breakfast. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Sophie's song choices. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.